0: I wanna take you for a ride I wanna take you for a ride Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast Volume 6, Issue 294 We're going to talk all about Capcom's Versus series and a few other bits and bobs as well play along with us and what's remaining of this year's podcast on Kane and Ritz we have Project Gotham Racing 3 and Project Gotham Racing 4 us concluding that uh, series of Bizarre Creations races Then it's the start of a series, Mega Man and Mega Man 2. I say the start of a series, we've got no commitment to doing any more than that beyond Mega Man 2, but we'll cover those two and see how that goes. After that, it is now just the Final Fantasy 1 podcast, Final Fantasy, the original. We've decided to uh, split those into one game per podcast for various reasons. Mario Kart 64 after that, a continuation. And then another sort of continuation as well is Call of Duty, the original Call of Duty seems appropriate head to com for the full schedule up to uh, the end of this year anyway we also have the odd article and feature and review and links to our other spaces such as forum our facebook page and our youtube channel and if you enjoy what we do and you think it's deserved of your support you can do that via our patreon patreon.com slash canerince a dollar a month or more if you prefer, and review, rate and subscribe to both the podcasts on iTunes or whichever other platform you get them from via RSS feeds or wherever else. And so joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 294 are James Carter. Hello, and Mikhail Kroder, live and let die. Uh, Welcome to Capcom versus podcast. So as uh, we say, listeners, this is probably going to be a bit of a whistle stop tour by our standards, Uh, less of a deep dive on each individual game and its mechanics, but more of a rundown of the series and uh, some of the key moments and our impressions of each game in it. The ones we have played, we haven't necessarily all played all of the games, a bit of a history lesson, but hopefully it'll be a lot of fun, too. And uh, I know that uh, we've all got quite a a decent amount of enthusiasm for these games. It actually starts this one kind of weirdly, unofficially, with uh, an unrelated game. April 1993, it was a scrolling beat-em-up by Capcom called The Punisher. The reason it's included is because Capcom actually did include it in their art book regarding uh, their Versus series. Uh, So obviously that was a Capcom license, but it was more in the mould of their uh, progressive brawlers. We've covered some before. uh, Final Fight, of course. Uh, And that also came to the Mega Drive and the Genesis in 94 to 95. And I suppose we should even make a very, very quick nod to Konami's um, six-player, up to player. Player X-Men scrolling brawler as well because although different license uh, obviously X-Men and Capcom came together in the first game that we're sort of officially looking at even though it's not a versus game five months after Vampire uh, which was known as Darkstalkers internationally to give you some context as to where uh, Capcom was with its fighting games also uh, I think it was January or February of that year it was the final incarnation of Street Fighter 2 which was Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo Uh, so that's where we are the art style was just moving on a little bit as they headed towards uh, Alpha the sort of slightly more anime style slightly more detailed sprites has a slightly different look and it seemed to lend itself very well to X-Men, Children of the Atom Uh, which arrived December 1994. Uh, Now, I didn't play this until probably 1996. Uh, I may have played it at the arcades briefly, I'm not sure, but I remember getting the Saturn version. It was a PAL version at first, so it was slow, but you could at least play it in turbo, which sped things up a little bit. But it did have big, fat borders, and the screen was distorted, so that, for instance, Iceman's giant snowball, whatever it's meant to be, (laughs) was in fact a giant egg. In the PAL version, <laughs> uh, much fair. in the same way as Symphony of the Night's uh, famous moon was uh, was squashed and egg-shaped in PAL regions. Fortunately, later I got my Saturn uh, switched to have a 60 hertz switch. And so you can play the PAL version or you can play uh, one of the international versions. I was getting pretty mad keen into my fighters at this point, and I was starting to be really interested in what Capcom were, were doing. Um, but I don't think I, I didn't really fall in love with Children of the Atom as a game. It seemed a little bit stodgy and imbalanced compared to the Street Fighters that I was used to. It, was a, it felt a little kind of, maybe it was partly the PAL version, but it felt a little slower. And also the AI in this game seemed to be a, a bit of a step up from other games. It was quite punishing and frustrating. And, and as we'll see throughout this series, the, the AI is it varies wildly from game to game, mm. uh, as we'll see.
1: Probably a good reflection of uh, the popular X-Men of the of the time also to coincide with the TV animated
0: series. So the game is loosely based apparently on the uh, comic book storyline called Fatal Attractions.
1: Did the cartoon also go off that uh, piece of the canon? It was very heavy on the mutant uh, extermination programs and the, the Sentinels. Basically this whole theme of racism uh, against uh, gifted human beings the way they implemented the the sentinel i also found really cool uh i mean usually in the cartoon and in the comic books the usual sentinel models are actually towering droids but they shrunk this character down still made him appear massive in comparison to the rest of the cast and Mm. some brilliant animation touches it hit me once again just how cool the Capcom uh, animators and artists made these American comic book characters look incredibly dynamic full of little neat animation touches and little details
2: it makes uh, some of the PlayStation ports of some of these games all the more lacking because in some cases up to a third of the animations I think is the the kind of quote I had to be pulled in order to reduce the character, uh, the 32 megabytes per character, I think it was, memory requirement.
0: That's right. The visual RAM that the the, the PS1 had was considerably lower than than Saturn had. Obviously, the Saturn had been designed to be more of a 2D machine. And so it lagged behind in polygon games, but the PS1, Sony were looking forward. Um, You know, obviously it worked for them commercially, but now for somebody who wants to go back and play or who indeed was still playing 2D games at the time, absolutely. The Saturn version was in virtually every case of every game that we're going to talk about here was, was the way to go. And in fact, children of the atom wasn't even converted by Capcom. The later games mostly were, but uh, it was a belated port by uh, probe the um, long-established British software house, uh, n- n- no longer with us, but uh, they'd done a lot of ports of, of various arcade games to the eight and sixteen-bit computers. It arrived f- almost four years after the original coin-op and was, uh, yeah, heavily compromised compared to the original. Uh, in my opinion, there's virtually no real reason to play the PS1 versions of any of these games if you can possibly avoid it. They have had their wings clipped so badly.
2: They also do a really good job, I think, of giving each character its own silhouette as well. I mean, they've got beautiful colours to play with here. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they can really fill in the detail on the character, but the way the characters move and stand, it feels different from one to the other. And even comparing that to something like Street Fighter, where you still had Ryu and Ken as being palette swap—not palette swap—they were very similar to one another. And you could probably, at this point, see the difference. You know, Ryu obviously had the headbands, and you could see kind of the trail that trailing behind him. But this did feel like kind of a step beyond. At the time, '94, I would have been playing Street Fighter 2 on my Super Nintendo like nobody's business. And And it did feel like it was stepping beyond that
0: in some ways right oh uh, no doubt yeah CPS2 coin up yeah and, yeah. and the, the Saturn conversion was as we say pretty close yeah so on top of the fairly modest roster of uh, 12 X-Men there was also uh, one cameo unlockable character from uh, Street Fighter Akuma very similar uh, to the Akuma of the uh, the same year's Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo and I suppose the reason that we're talking about this as well as it being uh, Capcom and Marvel and a fighting game is it introduced some of the uh, elements that would become staples of, this, of the Versus series. So For larger play sure, areas, yeah. much more verticality.
1: Certain attacks that are launchers. And
0: if you launchers,
1: quickly yeah. jump up uh, after yep. launching somebody, you can start an aerial rave. And it's actually called an aerial rave because you see it flash right. on screen. Yeah and yes.
2: air dashes for some characters as well which are obviously a big big thing uh, which yeah, help or. you take, make use of that extra space up above and a character like Storm
1: could fly for a limited time
0: we don't have tons of correspondence for this uh, podcast I guess partly because it was a tall order partly because these are old games but uh, it's probably and they're just difficult as
1: well to play a lot of them now as well
0: so Tadinho says my history with the series starts all the way back with X-Men Children of the Atom a game I found out by accident at a friend's birthday party I wasn't even eight years old but I still clearly remember my feelings when I first saw the game in motion, because I was completely blown away. To my child mind, those sprites and animations were the most amazing things I had ever seen, and I immediately fell in love with the game from that point on. The funny thing is that while many kids at the time would have likely watched the X-Men cartoon and then be drawn to the game, for me it was the opposite. It was thanks to this game that the X-Men entered my radar at all. From then I would go on to watch and love the cartoon and read the comics, but my love for the group started with Children of the Atom. Alongside the amazing sprites and animation, the music was really good and damn catchy too because years later, despite never revisiting the game past the 90s, I would often catch myself humming the character select theme. Yeah, it's a real, a real earworm. Uh, the stages are also another standout with me classing many as some of the finest in all fighting games like Iceman's Stage, where you can fight atop an iceberg on a beach, or the danger room that changes environment to the more esoteric stage of Spiral. The actual gameplay was pretty fun too. I can't speak to balancing or anything, but at least for a bunch of kids on the arcade, it was really fun. I mostly stuck with Iceman, Wolverine and Omega Red. I loved Iceman's ability to freeze people, Omega Red's range with his tentacles and Wolverine because, well, it's Wolverine and he's awesome so next up arrived Marvel Superheroes October 95 just under a year later at the arcade it was again a CPS2 coin-op similar structure we're still basically playing a game of Street Fighter with uh, super bars uh, and things like that at its core and a a relatively small roster of characters again 12 plus 1 only this time while I think Psylocke remains this we are now moving into Captain America Hulk uh, and other such Marvel greats yeah four
2: Children of the Atom characters were carried over and apparently those were carried over because they were the most popular which is Psylocke Wolverine Juggernaut and Magneto.
0: Bear in mind, we are 13 years before the Iron Man movie and the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in its modern incarnation as we mm. know it. So a lot of these characters were a complete mystery to me, and I understand. Although uh, for readers of the Infinity War that we're now seeing uh, about to, see, uh, well, we've seen you know bits of it coming to the, the cinema. This was a bit of a mystery to me, and and I think some again the roster was met with some consternation from some Marvel fans. Like, why is you know when we could have had Thor, for instance, why is Shuma Garath in there and things like that but it was basically, it was about Capcom wanting yeah. to make, I think, the craziest looking, funnest Showcase different types of characters, game. yeah, absolutely. Yes, and obviously things like Shuma Garath were definitely uh, definitely led on from the work on the Dark Stalkers games, these were sort of morphing characters and obviously th- these this type of stuff really sowed the seeds for, for the modern anime kind of fighters from Arc System Works and things like that with characters sure, who are yeah. barely humanoid at all and obviously Street Fighter 3 was which we've talked about before. Um, But yes, so I bought this game on Saturn when it came out. Originally, I didn't have the RAM cartridge when I first had it. So this is enhanced with the one meg or more of RAM. It's still, again, a very, very, very competent conversion, even without, but you've Mm. got some trimmed animation well at the time it seemed like a fantastic port uh, it certainly was up to the standards that, that that were required and and i fell in love with this game again not certainly wasn't big on marvel comics at all um but I, at least this time i was more familiar obviously hulk and Captain America and Spider-Man I was aware of these guys and I was aware of four of the X-Men now because I'd played Children of the Atom and also this introduced this uh, Infinity Gem system there's a whole sort of dynamic going on where you would uh, punch the gems out of the hands of others or pick them up off the floor And uh, you could use them and they would have uh, different effects, such as recharging your health meter or uh, doing some craziness, the reality gem. And it added an interesting wrinkle. Obviously, you already still had your special moves and your super moves and whatever else. Great set of backdrops. I thought this game just felt brighter and brasher even than Children of the Atom. Marvel Super Heroes is the one where the AI, from being rather challenging in Children of the Atom, yeah. goes completely the other way. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's bizarrely easy, Marvel Super Heroes, every version that I've played. I imagine arcade operators couldn't have been very happy with, uh, with how easy it was. I think if you crank it right up, it probably offers some sort of a challenge. But yeah, it's 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 strangely uh, easy. Uh, there Again, there was a PlayStation version with reduced animation and, and so on. Um, and a PAL version, which would have been even less worth buying because it would have been slow and boarded as well. <laughs> yeah. So please, please avoid those. While it was released on Xbox and uh, 360 and PS3 as part of the Marvel vs. Capcom Origins collection, which sadly didn't feature uh, X-Men vs. Street Fighter or Marvel vs. Street Fighter, but uh, or Children of the Atom, it did feature this, which I was very happy about because it was yeah. one of my favourites. But it was delisted after two less than two years, in fact, on on sale due to licensing issues. This is something that uh, we won't go into depth about. There's 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 lots of resources out there, but essentially the whole uh, Capcom Marvel X-Men Sony license issue is complicated and it's led to a lot of interesting and different situations with games being available and then unavailable and then available and then unavailable. It's actually
2: worth saying, because I think a lot of people would be familiar with the film licensing situation between Marvel and Fox particularly. Right. Games makes that look real simple because licenses overlap and, and even to this day... I'm not sure why Spider-Man's able to be in Marvel vs. Capcom when Sony clearly have the Spider-Man license in games. That's literally a situation where I tried to find out. Nobody seems to know. And other people who are doing far more in-depth historical analysis of of this series on YouTube that I think Mikhail and yourself kindly pointed me towards videos of, they don't seem to know either. It's just really difficult. Uh, And 2013 marked an end point. Of, uh, of the license that allowed Marvel vs. Capcom 3 to exist, then by 2014, everything just got delisted that was Marvel and Capcom until, obviously, uh, last year.
0: Yes, there was some uh, some renegotiation going on. It's interesting, actually, because I have, as I say, Marvel versus uh, Capcom Origins on 360 Mm. was by Iron Galaxy. It's a a wonderful collection of both with all the usual uh, sort of additions they do around it with the overarching um, sort of uh, experience points kind of thing that goes into your vault where you so you can buy concept art it's all really 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 nicely done but interestingly now on my Xbox 360 dashboard I've still got about 90 games installed on 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 my Xbox 360 and it's the only one that doesn't have art so <laughs> although I can still I can still redownload they it because I own pulled
2: it. It from the server I they've guess.
0: actually taken mm. the art off as well whereas all the other games even the ones that have been deleted like uh, which there
2: are several of yeah,
0: there are there are quite a few now um, mm. the art is still there this is the only one where the art has actually been bizarre isn't been it? kind of deleted so I'm not sure what that
2: playing Marvel superheroes the AI seems much forget it's just not quite so in your face and and it leaves you a few more gaps to kind of get in there whereas Children of the Atom I was just cheesing with Silver Samurai um (laughs) who has a nice long range attack that covers up above him as well um whereas having enjoyed Omega Red in Children of the Atom Blackheart was just such fun in this uh, mm. I really loved that character. Very having, unusual character. Yeah. And again, with the animations, the way he moves and having the kind of, I guess, Venom would be a good touchstone. Um yeah. Blackheart's kind yeah. of, again, another weird character to me. It's not a character that I knew that well. Um, by the time no. I saw this game, the only <laughs> instance of him I knew was Wes Bentley's character in Ghost Rider, which is a very yeah. different oh, type oh, of Blackheart. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: I also think that the uh, inclusion of characters obscure char- Marvel characters like Shuma-Gorath and Blackheart yeah. really illustrates how hands-off Marvel was at that time. Yeah, the Japanese sure. Capcom artists basically just picked characters that they that thought they were wanted. cool from the yeah. uh, from the yeah. long storied history of Marvel comics, yeah. without having to pay popularity or po- possible movie tie-ins in mind or any any sort of interests uh, that that go that way. And let's face it, the reason the licenses were given
2: out was because Marvel were struggling at this point. Mm. They were letting licenses go out because it, it brought them money in that kept them alive yep. at that at this stage. Yes. It really Really
0: was that desperate? This game was dedicated to the memory of Jack Kirby, with character artwork based on his old designs, of course. And uh, and I have to say that even at uh, three eight four by two two four pixels, uh, and a palette of four thousand ninety six colours, uh, I'd although to I guess to people who have only ever played say the the modern blaze blue or or guilty gear games these may look very very choppy low res i I, to my eyes these games still look absolutely wonderful the pixelation is almost part of the charm so for instance these the origins collection has uh, the ability to you know smear the graphics or put on scan lines and things like that but actually the way i wanted to play them back in the day was as crisp and clean as possible Uh, so rgb Scarlet lead absolutely the way forward don't play these with composite with kind of fuzzy washed out graphics. Oh, yeah. I, mm, I, yeah, I wanted yeah. to try to get this this as pixel clear as possible. So the ability to do that now on modern. Uh, through HDMI on on LCD screens like there's definitely I'm not saying there's no benefit to playing these on original on original hardware on cathode ray tube but actually I love playing these on on emulation because you can really see the art absolutely front and centre like as bright and clear as it's ever been and um, I I think the original artists probably would have enjoyed that themselves I don't know (laughs) Capcom have always been very good as I was saying before
2: about making sure you knew the difference between one character and another but it, it It goes further than that where Thanos is is chunky in this, not not necessarily in the way that like Sentinel is, but there's a heft to him, there's a chunk to him. And yet Spider-Man's wiry, and, and elastic, you know, there's, there's a completely different look to the character completely. And when you compare that to complaints about most recent games in Marvel vs. Capcom, where, you know, you've got Captain America and Spider-Man essentially looking very similar to one another, that shouldn't happen. Right. It shouldn't be the case that there's aspects of those characters that are not distinct from one another.
0: Yeah, we're still using the same tech for another couple of machines after this. Uh, and that's, there's, there's good and, and yeah. arguably bad sides to that as well, because... Sure. I have issues with the way these games sound like there's some great tunes here and I love the 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 voice and they sound incredibly nostalgic to me because they sound so distinct but there's a lot of farty saxophone trumpets <laughs> horrible twangy MIDI guitars you could understand why a lot of times when they did home conversions they did what they called arranged soundtracks which was where they went back into the studio and actually mixed these you know on synthesizers and put them put them in. As, mm. as CD tracks with higher fidelity, richer audio, because these coin-ops sound, I think it's one of the asp- aspects that dates them more than the visuals in some ways. Like, mm. as I say, I have affection for it, but I think it's kind of, I, I don't think it was its, uh, these games' strongest suite in some ways. I don't know, anyone care to challenge me on that?
2: Rather than we
0: talk about, you know, uh, music of this
2: era playing to the strengths of the the systems um, and I think in this case they're maybe trying to do some stuff that just doesn't work with the limited sound set, soundscapes and sound chips they have at their disposal. Certainly, later in the series is where I think the music really stands out for me in terms of being memorable.
0: As I say, there's I think there's loads of catchy tunes here. It's uh, it's it's just that the actual sound chip that was in yeah. whatever they were using on the CPS two is just a, yeah. a kind of uh, it's a bit of a throwback in in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean you know like the vo- the vocal samples and everything were were fantastic and uh, a huge part of the appeal. Yeah, these games just kind of sound very. Distinct and yeah. they sound very much like they they sound, and uh, it doesn't really sound like musical instruments or chip tunes. It's kind of a weird sort of halfway house between the two. Yeah. So that brings mm-hmm. us to the first crossover mashup, September nineteen ninety six. This first arrived in arcades, X Men versus Street Fighter, another CPS two machine. I do remember this arriving in the arcades of Brighton. This was when the fighting game scene was pretty big, down West Street, and uh, lots of the Asian community. Uh, from Brighton and surrounding areas would meet up to uh, play uh, King of Fighters and Street Fighter and this new game X-Men versus Street Fighter seemed pretty massive it had a queue nearly all the time people loved the the spectacle and, uh, and this is where Capcom really started dialing up the uh, super moves to properly screen filling proportions mm-hmm. uh, I think they increased the verticality even further uh, obviously this was you could tag in and out 2 versus 2 the street fighter characters had to be considerably souped up to have any you know feasible chance of it being even remotely possible that they could live in a fight with these uh, sort of human uh, godlike figures that were the X-Men. Uh and yeah, I uh I became fairly quickly aware that this was going to come to the Saturn, but at this point I didn't have an import enabled Saturn. And it also I can't remember when it was announced, but it also became apparent that you were going to need extra hardware because they were going to make an arcade pretty much arcade spot on perfect port, but you needed an extra 4 megabytes of RAM uh, on top of the I think 2 that you ca- that came in the base machine possibly, can't remember exactly. I remember uh, it was Richard Lebetter, now, I think, head honcho at uh, Eurogamer's Digital mm-hmm. Foundry, uh, who had been absolutely raving about Marvel superheroes in CMVG and me, machines calling, uh, calling it the memorable phrase of senses shattering. Slightly clumsy, but uh, it, it absolutely his his enthusiasm for this game really came across, and and as well as me already being into it, I had extra hype from the uh, CMVG crew of the time, including Richard Ledbetter And then when X Men versus Street Fighter was coming along, seeing the arcade scene burgeoning and seeing this hype building again, and the idea that this was going to be a game that was enhanced by this extra RAM, this was when I started to seriously consider getting my my Saturn uh, import enabled. So I sent it off to London to get uh, a multi-switch fitted and that 60 hertz switch. And I ordered myself a copy, or I I can't remember, no, maybe I went and bought it actually in London, a copy of X-Men versus Street Fighter for Saturn. Having seen it in the arcades, it was an absolute dream having it at home. Again, um, playing it with my girlfriend at the time, who was into X Men. She loved playing as Gambit and Rogue. And again, we didn't know or care if it was balanced or not. Mm-hmm. We were just having, we just, we played so many hours, so many thousands of rounds of this game, and it felt like a, an absolute marvel having this, pardon the pun, having this really high end two D coin op. Almost, replicated almost perfectly in the home albeit for a few extra little bits of loading time and 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 so on this was such a treat uh, so exciting and, and I kind of I'm kind of sad I sold it at some point and the and the RAM cart because I don't have it anymore
1: my uh, main go-to team became Sabretooth and uh, the unstoppable juggernaut good fun yeah, uh, yeah and, and juggernaut is just uh, he already made his appearance in uh, in the two earlier games uh children of the atom as a boss and in marvel oh, superheroes yeah. as a playable character but he's just i love the way he uh the capcom artist uh made him made him look he's just like one big ball of uh, destructive happiness mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh yeah it, it's it was a super cheap team as well saber sabertooth uh, is very uh his air attacks are very uh have a lot of priority on him so you can merrily hop around the screen mm-hmm. uh, super jump like crazy and hit people with overheads all the time and scoop them up with uh with his uh, down fierce launcher and then kick them with this uh, hard kick if all else fails you can call in uh, juggernaut to to clean up I find it very hard to keep long combo, uh, combos going uh, mm. with the speed that's there. And also there's a sense of timing to it, which I almost liken to playing an, uh, an instrument. So I always mm. like characters that don't have to put in a lot of combo work uh, to uh, do some damage. It does almost take you back
2: to basics a little bit using someone like Juggernaut, doesn't it? Where you, yeah. you, it's not quite
1: playing footsies or anything like that, but you can just like try and get in on a character. It's kind of similar to how you play uh, Samurai Showdown, for example, where there's a lot of a big sense of timing and uh, timing just right not to whiff your attacks and open yourself up.
0: All about rhythm
1: and spectacle,
0: and uh, obviously, yeah, the tag team being perhaps the uh, the the key new feature. I'm not Absolutely. sure this was the first ever fighting game to have uh, such a mechanic, but it was certainly one game
1: around the- around the same uh, the same time of uh, Kizuna Encounter by SNK. Yes. Uh, yeah. maybe that preceded it just a little bit but kizuna encounter was a little bit less dynamic in its stack team mm-hmm. mechanics it's uh, more like you actually just swap characters around if you yes. are in the same area you you swap them in and out and there's no you cannot come flying in with an attack or can cancel a, a super move into another yeah. character to bring them in and there's not much in the sense of this whole red health uh management either
0: Yes, I was just about to say you can uh, gain regain a little health by uh, taking uh, uh, taking a breather with one character, uh, certain certain while the other ones uh, in play. The roster's slightly larger here. You have got sixteen characters plus uh, an unlockable again, uh, which is Akuma again. And again, there's an even more heavily compromised PlayStation One version (laughs) uh, because it doesn't even because of the RAM limitations it doesn't even have the tag team option. Although there is uh, there is a mode in there to play tag team with same character but it's uh, it's a separate mode and uh, yeah. Yeah, best kind of, best avoid. of sad.
1: Kind of sad. Play yeah.
0: play, MAME or Saturn or original hardware, uh, if you possibly can. Marco from the Kane and Rinse Forum says, I remember playing X-Men versus Street Fighter at the arcade and thoroughly enjoying myself, sailing past each opponent until I reached Apocalypse. I was terrified. Street Fighter hadn't prepared me for this at all. Sure, Juggernaut and uh, the Sentinel were large. Magneto could fly. Thanos was ostensibly omnipotent, but at least they were vaguely human size and <laughs> or shape. Yes, yeah, so uh, I guess this was the first... Game in the Capcom fighting game series to have a more than screen filling boss that didn't really share the same fighting mechanics. Yeah, it takes uh, it out of the one on
2: one or two on two fighter aspect completely, it's doesn't a it? Yeah. Proper
0: boss fight in, in a way. And which uh, yeah, yeah.
2: just kind of stuck with the series since to to a large degree.
0: The follow up was inevitably Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter which uh, followed just Ju- uh, July 97, so less than a year later. I understand that this one is not a fan favourite at all. Now, I remember playing this at the arcades, and actually the thing that got me going was the, this was where the, the kind of hype man culture really started with fighting games. The intro <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, ba- is literally kind of demanding that you play it. Uh, it's like, if you don't play this, it doesn't, this is paraphrasing, but it's basically saying if you don't play this game, you're a loser and you're never going to have any fun in your life. Yeah. Uh, it's just really like this is just unbelievably good fun, <laughs> um, and I and it made me really want to play it, and yeah. uh, and I, and I was already into the idea because I loved X Men versus Street Fighter, and I'd love Marvel superheroes, so I played this more, but I wasn't. Uh, I guess, a good enough player to understand that supposedly they kind of dialed things back a bit in terms of the craziness of X-Men vs. Street Fighter. I wasn't really aware of that, but that seems to be a a critique I've read. But anyway, it came once again to Saturn, requiring the 4 meg RAM expansion and again was almost arcade perfect. Uh, only came out in Japan and once again, the PlayStation got a heavily compromised port, which did come out at least in multiple regions. The roster was uh, much the same size, uh, but had instead of one Secret character. It had two, and the second one is is a curious a curious figure, which is Norimaro, a <laughs> uh, a sort of uh, a comedy otaku created by a Japanese comedian uh, named Noritake Kinashi, and his attacks are based around being a nerd and the fact that he's kind of uh, stalking all of these characters. There's some. <laughs> dubious stuff around uh, him wanting to collect uh, Chun-Li's pants.
1: We have to uh, give credit to uh, Norimaru as starting this the, the trend of having a fighting game character that's actually not much of a fighter in there. You, know, you see it later in Marvel vs. Capcom, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 with Phoenix Wright, for example, just having all these sort right. of... Clumsy, no, that's clumsy attacks. Uh, that I suppose
0: are, we'd had Anita in, uh, in Marvel, which was a character, not only from, not, Mar- not from Marvel, from Darkstalkers, but not a fighter either. <laughs> She's yeah. a little girl. <laughs> yeah, uh, but she has yeah. some
1: terrifying powers.
0: That is true. Terrifying indeed. So I played this one, probably not as much as X-Men, so maybe without really realising I didn't like it as much as X-Men versus Street Fighter, but for me it was a natural progression succession. And yeah, I only ever had the Japanese Saturn version, sold it some years ago, can't play it now because it's never been re-released. Disappointing. I would absolutely buy it if if they somehow made it available Mm -hmm. again on Modern systems, I would absolutely buy a double pack of X Men and Marvel vs. Street Fighter in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, the thing about Marvel superheroes vs. Street Fighter is that uh, we it would probably be uh, a DLC or an expansion uh, in this day yeah. and time, because it's maybe it, so. uh, doesn't introduce uh, much in the way of new backgrounds. The, no, that's it's, true. Uh, it has Watson. all the same backgrounds as uh, as X Men vs. Street Fighter. Only it adds some more details and some characters to the to the backgrounds. As far as the base, the the main roster is concerned, uh, there aren't any uh, characters in there that we haven't seen in previous games.
0: That's true. Uh... It reuses again the sprites from Street Fighter Alpha 2. And then it was Marvel vs. Capcom (laughs) just a few months later. Uh, less than half a year later, in fact. Some I don't know how they were making these games so fast. When you look at, I know there was a certain amount of asset repurposing, but actually, if you look at the amount of sprites and backdrops in this game, uh, it's hard to believe that they were making these games so quick. So th-
2: there's asset repurposing, but there's also uh, move set repurposing uh, in, in a lot of cases. You know, well, Spider-Man's moves were all the same, and in, in particular, because they are quite expressive. I noticed a lot of the animations were the same. That's not to say that's a bad thing. They're wonderful animations.
0: <laughs> yeah and also people you know fighting game fans people in the scene were familiar and they needed a certain amount of things to remain the same you know we yeah, yeah, we sure. should say yeah, at yeah. this point we're still on the six button system and uh, things eventually will start to change but at this point we're still yeah we're, we're not only playing characters that we've played before but we're also yeah using with with tweaks in the same way that they've been doing since street fighter yeah. 2 champion edition uh a lot of similarity so a lot of comfort and familiarity for fans of the series. So the assist thing really went crazy in January '98 with Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of Superheroes. They've dropped the Marvel Superheroes bit. It's now just Marvel. They've dropped it's not just X-Men and it's not just Street Fighter. So we're now seeing uh, characters from Capcom IP, which was again as as a, a big video games nerd, this was exciting mm. stuff and exciting time. Seeing characters like uh, Strider back in particular, I think was the absolute headline for me. I didn't have particularly have affection for Mega Man or even Captain Commando so much, but yeah, seeing string seeing Strider in this
1: game was just so cool. Such a cool incarnation of Strider as well with the red scarf.
0: Properly
2: iconic to see him in, in this I've got to say as, as someone who came to this after other Marvel vs Capcom games, yeah.
0: So there are uh, 15 characters based but there are 6 extras but they're, I think they're almost all ca- uh, palette swap characters in this like Orange Hulk and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is still a CPS2 coin-op but somehow they're squeezing even more out of that hardware and there was no Saturn version this time because uh, the Saturn was uh, pretty much did replace by the Dreamcast. And so we had, uh, an, again, almost, if not completely identical, perhaps, again, a, a bit of disk loading time from the GD-ROM uh, Dreamcast port, 60 hertz option in, in PAL territories as well. So it was exactly the same game pretty much across mm. the regions. Once again, somehow, and for obvious reasons, because there were a lot of Playstations in, in homes, they s- squeezed... Uh, A a quart into a pint pot by trying to make a a PS1 version, which again, we should say most of these games are fundamentally playable fighting games. They are just nowhere near the vision or scope of, of the original games or the better ports. I played this a fair amount and I've played it quite a lot since on 360, the again version that came out in 2012 and then delisted in 2014, also on PS3. But I think I don't, for some reason, have quite the same level of affection for it as I have the games that came just before or just after it. And I'm not quite sure why. Uh, I think maybe it's the really, really hard end boss. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: which, <laughs> Onslaught, yeah.
0: Which Onslaught is just is too much for me. But there's so much to love here. The assists. So the assists here are separate characters. So this is where you'll see characters from other IPs from Marvel and Capcom. The non-playable characters such as Thor, I think, and uh Arthur from Ghosts and Goblins and uh,
1: Storm's in there as well, yeah. There's the, the guy the guys from uh Forgot- Forgotten Worlds.
0: That's right, yeah. And there's uh, so many
1: of them. There's there's Lou, Lou from Midnight Wanderers.
0: That's right, Midnight Wanderers, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of really obscure stuff. It's at this point they're just that's my favorite throwing thing everything about in it. the in the yeah. kitchen sink at it. And I really like uh the way assists were handled in this game where they Basically, uh, work as some sort of a, not not really a smart bomb, but you have a limited stock of the t- uh, times you can use the assist. So you have to really think about when to use them, rather than just throwing them out willy nilly, as you see in uh, later um, Marvel vs Capcom games. The only thing I di- don't like is that unless you access a cheat, it's a completely randomized pick which assist uh, you're right. getting. So yeah. it takes a little bit away of that strategy where you want to match up a certain assist character with a certain Team of characters.
2: Which I, I presume they did so that it added, in theory, depth because you have to know what all of the different assists do because you get different numbers of uses for them as well. Um, so you yeah. really have to know what the assist's going to be for each yeah. of the characters. So that, that it gives it to you randomly, takes away from the... the the idea of building your team with the assist yeah. that you want to have, but it does exactly. mean you've got to know when you get plumped with whatever assist, how you're going to use it. And you have to think yeah. a bit more on the fly, but I, I do wonder if that doesn't take away a little bit from the the kind of shine of, you know, how much people loved picking particularly their MVC2, MVC3 teams Based mm. on particular character roles and knowing what the assist's gonna add to their team.
1: But I must say, aesthetically, I do really love Marvel vs. Capcom One: Clash yeah, of Superheroes. Yeah. It does a lot for me, uh, more for me aesthetically than uh, the sequel did. For starters, the detail in the backgrounds and the callbacks to various themes are are amazing. You got the yeah. the blimp uh, and the, the the Kremlin sort of Moscow mm-hmm. sort of uh, background of Strider in there. Uh, you've got uh, Doctor Wily's uh, base with all the little oh, yeah, uh, yeah. little little droids uh, coming <laughs> out of a dispenser. So uh, whatever there's so so much to to look at, and uh, you see that the two D background designers of Capcom were really yeah were really at a peak here. It,
2: it does mm. feel like this is kind of what the games we've been talking about were kind of building towards. This celebration of not just particular characters, not just particular series, but two companies. They're almost like their works coming together in that way i I really loved the art for that yeah
0: Tadinio says i loved everything about marvel vs. capcom clash of superheroes from the art and the music to the gameplay only now there was a lot more to dig into what struck me the most was the roster because for the first time i was seeing many of capcom's more colorful characters i was introduced to captain commando strider and even the iconic mega man through this game I loved picking different characters to see all the animations, moves and of course the supers. There wasn't a character that I disliked on the entire roster, but the characters I ended up loving the most were Captain Commando. I may have enjoyed spamming Captain Corridor a bit too much and Venom. In fact, the Venom in this game might be my favourite character in fighting games. He's not only very good gameplay wise, but all his animations are incredible. Curiously, I played MVC mostly by myself, but I unlocked every single character and finished the game multiple times enough to have the final boss onslaught forever burned into my mind the amount of times i died to him and heard the words the dream is dead is beyond counting still as far as final bosses in fighting games go onslaught is my absolute favorite so we're actually breaking away from the uh, official versus series here because we like to be complete now we're going to be very brief on these but there's uh, there's some interest to be had in the snk versus capcom series so Obviously, it ended up, uh, in particular, with the Card Fighters Clash games. Um, We've had some requests to cover those uh, separately. I'm not sure we've got any players among the team, uh, but I've I've always been interested in in those games. Difficult to play now. But the one I did want to talk about in particular first was uh, SNK versus Capcom, The Match of the Millennium, 1999 for the Neo Geo Pocket Colour, partly because we've had a post from Joshi Hatsumitsu, but also partly because I believe this was Dimps' first foray into the fighting game world. So they go on to make Street Fighter 4 uh, and 5. And so, yeah, this is kind of relevant. SNK versus Capcom, the match for Millennium. The Neo Geo pocket colour or otherwise, says Joshi Hatsumitsu has a brilliant little clicky joystick, perhaps one of the best on a handheld even by today's standards, that makes not just your quarter circle characters a delight to control but also does justice to the back forward down up charge characters too. It's very responsive to your inputs and having just two buttons one for punch and one for kick could have been a compromise but really two is more than enough. There are still combos and special moves as well as other attack meters that charge up through the battle so there's a wealth of tactics available. The chibi art style and animation on the small screen looks fantastic on the Neo, Neo Geo pockets little screen it is utterly charming all the characters maintain their unique personalities and shrinking them down turns them from intimidating threatening foes to simply cute and cuddly opponents working within the limitations of the hardware snk versus capcom is an astounding achievement it has quite a decent roster of characters from both sides and if there is any weakness it is due to the, uh, the fact the screen is not backlit so unless you have a good source of external light you might not see much if you're a nerdy collector like myself, then you probably already own it, and if not you're going to either have to settle for the inferior experience of an emulator and a ROM or going searching for the hardware and the cartridge still an easy recommendation even with those caveats So I never had a neo Geo pocket or, or the color version they were both both had a very limited release. In Europe, uh, I did uh, did get to play on both of those machines, and they did indeed have a lovely joystick. I would never play a fighting game on a handheld. That's just a personal thing. Street Fighter Alpha Three on PSP says play me. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, uh, there are some there are some good options, but um, but I know what you mean. Yeah, for sure.
2: I was taken by the art style in much the same way as Game Boy art style can be very expressive, despite the limitations. Uh, it is weird seeing some of these characters with only a single color on them. Otherwise, they're they're black and white with just one colour on their sprite which is a little bit weird but you know you can reuse mostly white just a bit of red on there and yeah it's you. why not
0: (laughs) look look like good fun Also chronologically speaking this was around the time July 99 of Mugen making its debut Uh, something I know very little about I've heard the, the term Mugen Fighter
1: Mugen, uh, Mugen was released before Marvel vs. Capcom 2 as sort of a fighting game engine and it had some yep. built-in characters and, uh, and everything. But it was probably after marvel versus capcom 2 where people really started going wild with it with uh, yeah. several iterations and the reason uh why i wanted to bring uh mugan into the discussion is because marvel versus capcom 2 and we'll talk about that a little bit later almost feels like that's what it's trying to do just jam everything together and uh and go completely crazy <laughs>
0: Indeed. We did go crazy in
1: the February of
0: 2000. It was Marvel vs. Capcom 2 New Age of Heroes. It was based on the Sega Naomi architecture, so very, very closely related to Dreamcast. It later ended up being ported to PS2 and Xbox in a couple of years later. And there was a Backbone Entertainment version for 360 and PS3 in 2009, which I still have delisted, of course, in 2014. <laughs> a massive roster uh, at the arcades of uh, and on the Dreamcast of 24 characters, plus 32 unlockable characters lots of reused sprites but also lots of new stuff some brand new characters uh, to anything uh, Amingo the cactus and temporarily forgotten her name Ruby Heart the, Ruby um, Hart, yeah the female pirate In so many ways, Capcom went mad with this. Uh, Mm. It's got a bizarre uh, light jazz funk soundtrack. Uh, You've got some slightly more authentic sounding audio than the previous um, CPS2 machines, but it still sounds quite MIDI-ish, a lot of uh, saxophone stuff. But you have got real singing voices, famously on the character select screen and in several of the stages. The backdrops are now polygons still i i think still some personally some great looking art but it's still it does now look weird having the older 2d yeah. sprites up against the yeah. the polygon backdrops i think it becomes more and more kind of jarring. I still mm. think I still like the look of it because maybe it's nostalgia, but I think those backdrops still have some some charm, but again, the backdrops rather than the previous games references and nods to the IP, they seem to be completely and utterly <laughs> random and um, based <laughs> yeah. on there's a you know, you're in a fairground, you're in an icy cave, you're a, you're, you're all over that you're on a Japanese yeah. bridge but there's yeah. no real the music, reason
1: why. The music is random. The backgrounds are random. Yeah. <laughs> the, the character selection is, is, is random. Smooth and the yeah, music, is, music might be random, by the way, but I actually really love love the music in this game. Yeah.
0: I love it too, even though it's appalling. It's, it's completely unfitting.
1: It. It's a juxtaposition uh, of it's bizarre. S- yeah. completely inappropriate music for, uh, <laughs> for what's going on on the screen that strikes a chord with me. Yeah, so now it's three on three instead of just
0: your two on two. Uh, lots of uh, chaos and carnage, Triple character attacks. Uh, And yeah, I played the heck out of this on Dreamcast. It it felt like an amazing package. Again, I got to play it with some friends who probably just weren't as good at fighting games, but they they had a lot of fun with it because they could pick their favourite characters from whatever this was a slightly simplified control system so they reduced it to four attack buttons and you could also as well and you had assist buttons as well but you didn't actually have to use those because you could just you could be completely non strategic about that you could make big things happen on screen fairly easily. Yep. It was m- madness and chaos. And yes, I still have the, the 360 version, which is decent, but they completely cut out the intro sequence, which they do on some of these games, and it drives me insane. You can't uh-huh. even buy it as an unlockable or have it as a, something to, to watch outside of the game. It's just yeah, it's not a, there.
1: Just a splash screen, right?
0: Yeah, it's just a splash screen. What, what, yeah. Uh, fortunately, Iron Galaxy would at least put the intros in there as... as Items that you could get a hold of, but otherwise, it's it's a fine version. the The clock on the clock tower ta- stage still tells the real time to this day, just mm-hmm. as it did back in in the day. <laughs> yeah, and this created a whole kind of cult. This was the longest running game at Evo, and it, it was there before Evo was an ev- even Evo, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it was there for like a decade or more. Um, and people still play it at, at tournaments. At the tournament I was at earlier this year, people were still playing it, tucked away marvel the whole mimetics the meme of marvel m-a-h-v-e-l came from some commentary uh would anyone care to elaborate on that because i, I do sort of know it but it's a bit vague
1: yeah i think the whole playing scene around marvel was uh, was very gutter so you've got a very colorful players and commenters like michael mendoza Uh and his commentary became legendary for the game so much so that it made there's a lot of references to it in uh marvel vs capcom 3 so they picked a lot of his stuff and uh, put it put it in there competitive marvel even though i'm not the biggest fan of this game to Mm -hmm. to play it myself uh competitive marvel is something You see a whole different uh, game being played than... uh, Yes.
0: It reminds me of Smash in that respect.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, That's usually the case with with any competitive game, that seeing it played at a high level represents a huge gap, but it might just be wider, like with Smash, than uh, most other fighting games because you see some crazy infinite combos. There's a lot of exploitation of the cheapest stuff, which you would think, uh, as a layman, would uh, be uh, met with disdain from a competitive crowd, but it's actually celebrated in Marvel vs. Capcom, the completely broken, messy side of the game. So you see certain characters only being picked for their assists that can constantly be, almost constantly be spammed, just to lock down the screen with nutty beam attacks and uh Sanity and just keep people locked in place. Uh, liberal use of uh, Sentinel and his jumping rocket boots—it's a genuine marvel to see. it is almost like a trolling aspect with some of the cheap tactics, uh, but
2: also yeah. the snapback as well. Obviously, that—that's a mechanic built into the game uh, for yeah. for that reason. Um, which is the first time that had been put in. But uh, the assists being team assists, where it's not a separate character that's been randomly chosen or anything, it means there's a, a craft to picking your team. And yeah, the, the craft may be who's the cheapest, who, who's got something I can abuse, or, you know, an infinite that I might be able to hit or whatever. But the 3D backgrounds still bother me looking at this game. I, I don't like them. I'm, I, I like them for the nostalgia of that period of games, that PlayStation 2, Xbox period of... This is what three D art kind Dreamcast. of Dreamcast like, yeah, Dreamcast. Although I've never played on one, so. but <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah, but but it just—I want the two D backgrounds to go back with it. It, mm. it it just feels odd to me, and and not in a bad way because. It, I've got a lot of love for this game, despite being in that frustrating area where I don't just want to mash buttons and have pretty things happen, but I'm I'm not able to play the game properly, as I would say. It. So I'm kind of stuck yeah. in the middle where I'm almost mm. trying to play Street Fighter. And if you try and play Street Fighter when you're playing, yeah. mu- you might as well go home. It just it yeah, doesn't it work. You can't
1: do it. it it's... Yeah. Which makes I'm very similar there. And this is the thing about Marvel vs. Capcom too. It's uh and why I brought Mugen into the discussion. It's a complete cobbled together, massive a game. Just throw everything in there that we have, sprites from this game and that game, and just uh, mash them all together and the, the running backgrounds. Is- yeah. <laughs> and uh 56 characters yes. with only perhaps 6 of them being 100% viable in uh, in a tournament yeah, yeah, setting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was such a huge
0: leap up from the, the the rosters of 15 16 17 in the previous games. Which it is yeah. which
1: is why Mikhail saying,
2: yeah, it feels like everything in the kitchen sink went into this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so this, this is what they did with the, with the Mugen engine, probably very inspired by Marvel's Capcom 2, uh just import sprites from all sorts of games and throw them in one yeah. big crossover, crossover fighting game. It's
0: weird how okay I am with the polygon backdrops because I love yeah. the sprite art so much of the earlier games and Capcom in general. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I, I just, I, I think I associate it with the Dreamcast's kind of enhanced power. And I think they're quite attractive backdrops for the era as well. There's some nice, pleasant stages yeah. that I think look quite nice. I think, I think so nice, too. So.
1: I, th- I think if you play this on the Xbox 360 or PS3 it's no. actually more jarring because the pixels yes. look more pixelated and the yeah, backgrounds yeah. look look sharper in HD that's so true. if you would play this true. on a CRT on an actual Dreamcast yes. everything would mesh together much much nicer yeah, that's than it, true. Uh, it does on yeah, a modern true. screen but
0: i still think it you know i was playing it on 360 literally yesterday yeah. and i was still thinking it it was a lot of fun and it looked pretty cool uh, despite yeah some some smeary textures on the polygons mm. and some some crispy uh, pixels on the on the pixels.
2: I'm a particular fan of Cable as a character, and he's in here, and I I, <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And and Ruby Hart, oh the the, the design <laughs> of the character, the animation, yeah. everything, just such joy.
1: I think there should be a crossover fighter with only pirate girls in it <laughs> from all uh, from There's all from fighting game companies. There, uh... There's one from Guilty Gear. May we've got from Mark of the Wolves, B Janet from the, the latest King of Fighters. There's a pirate girl in there as well. A lot hearts, she's
0: called. Yeah. I have two on two. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, Andy L. from
0: and slash forum says I think I, what I remember most about Capcom's Versus games is that it introduced me to my favorite fighting game character of all time. Dan Hibiki, the cocky attitude, Pink G and multiple goofy taunts made him stand out in a crowd of ultra serious world warriors and Marvel heroes. Once I learned how to perform Raging Dan, Dan's version of the Raging Demon, which hurts the opponent but leaves Dan with one pixel of health. I knew I had a favourite character for life. I don't play fighting games much anymore, but Dan is usually my first pick for a match. And whether I win or lose as Dan, I'll do it with style. Uh, So, yeah. So, again, a little sidestep here. Uh, Again, these are games which absolutely would warrant their own Cana Rince podcast on their own, but we can only do 50 shows a year as it (laughs) stands. So uh, this is going to be here, September 2000, Capcom versus SNK, Millennium Fight 2000. This is also on the Naomi hardware at the arcades, and there was also a uh, pretty much spot-on port for Dreamcast. There was later a PS1 version, which was called Pro, had a few uh, extras for four new characters, and the Pro version actually also came out on Dreamcast, in Japan, 28 characters from across Capcom and SNK. This actually started off as, a, I think it was a, like a game pro or something, or EGM magazine cover, which had something like the headline um, Street Fighter versus King of Fighters, and it turned into a, this kind of rumour. And although we'd already had in 99, I guess it was pre that uh, SNK versus Capcom Neo Geo game, I guess it led to conversations between Capcom and SNK, and Capcom settled down to make this one. Uh, after the the previous neo geo pocket color game uh it had snk characters in it but apparently it was all it was all capcom's money from this point on if whatever they made out of it they made out of it snk was in dire straits at this point it was about when they were being taken over by the uh pachinko company and became (laughs) snk playmore i remember this being so exciting like as Mm. a fighting game fan yeah the intro to the first game, although the second game, I think overall is probably you know the better game in terms of features and characters and all that sort of thing. The first game was just such it was the hype levels were off the charts, and it also introduced this interesting idea of character ratio. So the amount of fighters you'd have on your team could be one or it could be four because each character, rather than sort of balancing mm. the characters, they gave them each a weight. Uh, so you had to choose your team Fancy based football on football
2: team picking. Piece. Kind of thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird.
0: Uh, and, and it kind of worked. Uh, my favorite thing, I guess, about this game is probably still, as well as that general sense of excitement, as the backdrops. And yeah. in the Dreamcast version, they added uh, little specific animated intros to each stage, some really nice touches. Yeah. Uh, and yeah the the art in this game is is superb capcom's art is The Highway taking
1: crash is uh, one yeah. of my favorite uh, intros there's
0: yeah. so much cool stuff in this game uh, and again yeah. it's it's a shame it's not available the sequel which we'll talk about momentarily is still quite easy to get hold of because it was on everything and uh, and it was re-released but this original game kind of yeah it doesn't really exist other than that uh, other than those those couple of ports that it had on old hardware so you, you you were excited for this too, Mikkel?
1: Yeah, very much. This uh, this was uh, my true dream crossover come uh, come hmm. true. Probably can very safely say that uh, X Men vs. Street Fighter was probably the first real multi company crossover in uh, video gaming history.
0: IP mashup. I would have to uh, let, I would have to check, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take you on your word.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I'm I'm f- pretty sure. Uh, but this was the one that made the most sense. X Men versus Street Fighter was always a bit weird because you got. Omnipotent, super gifted human beings versus.
2: Yeah, there's a mismatch there. Versus
1: yeah. uh, some, some Karate uh, ma- martial arts uh, masters. <laughs> yeah. With fireballs, but yeah. And But Capcom versus SNK, this made the biggest amount of sense. And it's amazing how well these two companies' character rosters go together. And not surprising because.
0: SNK have been copying Capcom for the previous. Uh- <laughs> 10 years
1: yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't put it like that. I would put it like there was a lot of cr- uh, crossover between the okay. development the cross-pollination develop- yep. the cross yep. pollination Fair. between Fair. The, the development teams of uh, both yes. uh, Capcom and SNK. Very good and point. And Takashi Nishiyama of course it was the, 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 the main guy at SNK of fighting game development was the founding father of, uh, of Street Fighter. Also the first Capcom S- versus SNK really was King of Fighters and its extended universe versus Street Fighter because yep. we didn't get the anachronistic samurai showdown and uh, last blade characters in there yet yeah that's true
0: james did this mean anything to you either at the time or more recently uh, at the time nothing at
2: all uh no th- more more recently cvs2 is not a game you can follow fighting games and and not right hear about so uh, yeah, yeah absolutely but Back when I would have been, you know, mid-90s reading uh, video game magazines, King of Fighters was absolutely something I was aware of. It was a little bit of, oh, well, that's just another Street Fighter knockoff because Street Fighter was the one (laughs) I had. So that was the one I played and all the others, as far as I could tell, came afterwards. And although Mikhail's obviously right, it wasn't as simple as copying Street Fighter. It was much more involved than that. I knew what a Terry Bogard was, I knew what a Geese Howard was, but but as I had never played. So, so therefore, even at the time, it wouldn't necessarily have excited me, I don't think. Uh, even to this day, King of Fighters is something I'm aware of, but I just haven't spent enough time with to
0: warrant. And I know SNK is more than that thanks to hamster you can now get pretty much all the king of fighters well, games exactly uh, this is
2: the thing whether it's on on switch or or on uh, on uh, the other consoles I, yeah. I should be at least getting my hands on king of fighters 98 and filling that gap but I just have a different version
0: depending on who you listen to. Um,
2: Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Although I think 98 seems to be the one that most people point to and say, look, just pick that up and try that at least. But let's save this for our King of Fighters. Absolutely. We will get there, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, uh, but I, I just haven't. And so it is kind of weird. Picking these up and having a go at them, and not, mm. it just doesn't feel like I'm ever going to not pick a, a, a Street Fighter or Capcom yeah, character that I, I know. And therefore, but I think have that some was the idea, wasn't it? That you would play. You would play whichever one. Yeah, that, that makes yeah. perfect sense. It's just that with yeah. the, the Marvel crossovers, I have love for those characters. So even if I don't know how they play, I wanna, I'm, I warm to you know playing a cable or whoever it might be or an Omega Red. Whereas in this, it's always going to feel a bit lopsided to me because I'm going to skew towards the Capcom characters, uh, which is my own uh, short-sightedness in in not doing a bit more to to catch up with
0: the SNK side of things. There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot. So don't worry about <laughs> that at all. Uh, so have you have you dabbled with uh, CVS two then? So the main thing I knew about the groove system
2: was when gems popped up in uh, Infinite or were revealed to be there, that was the touchstone. And to look at it, I was scratching my head because there's not an equivalence there to me necessarily, but in my opinion, it really isn't.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: I I, I get that. They're trying to say that it, it offers you a depth so that even if your team's the same, the groove you pick in terms of the gem you pick can change the style of play but this feels much more like, I mean, to me, obviously, Street Fighter Alpha 3 Max with the different, you know, yeah. isms and stuff like that. That makes more sense to I me. I would as go it along with to, that,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I, p- I picked up uh, CVS2 uh, as soon as it came out on GameCube. And contrary to uh, popular belief, mm. the controls on that version are not screwed up. It's just an opt- option to screw it them up. It is, and only an <laughs> option, yeah. But famously, yeah. Edge
0: magazine gave it 3 out of 10 because of the easy operation controls. Uh, it's completely, and, completely yeah, it's, optional. It's insane, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, the the only thing is that uh, the GameCube controllers are maybe even more unsuitable for 2D fighters than, I think that's, uh, yeah. than the Dreamcast controllers so yeah. but i actually learned to play the game on those little with that tiny little d-pad mm-hmm. and uh and, and the squishy trigger buttons and, uh, and everything but yeah i was really hyped for this uh this game uh for this um, dream crossover what i still love to this day is this it might just be mechanically one of the richest fighting games ever made because of the groove system because not only does it give you a different sort of power power bar and a stack up uh, each groove's Groove even can give you access to different super moves, but uh, it also gives you access to different subsystems and mechanics inspired by different fighting games by SNK and uh, and Capcom. So you could play, let's say, Terry Bogart with Street Fighter III Third Strike Mm parries, for example, and they actually made a parry animation for him. And you could play bison in kof 94 style where he has a sidestep animation all of a sudden Sharon. you know um, you can uh play the the characters one of my favorite groups was k groove because uh you basically the more you you got beat up uh the more angry you got and the more powerful you became like in uh, the Samurai showdown games uh and you had a just defend uh mechanic in there as well where you, if you would time your block exactly right you would get frame advantage yeah, there's just so much to experiment with and with the huge character roster of uh, all these SNK and Capcom fa- uh, fan favourites. It, it might just be one of the richest 2D fighting games that you could ever play.
0: A uh, sizable roster of 48. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was Millionaire Fighting 2001, also known as Mark and Millennium 2001. Uh, arcade, pretty much Arcade Perfect. Port yeah, for which, is, which is
1: probably the better title, the, the Western title in this case, because let's say so. not, not all make... these guys and girls are millionaires. Indeed.
0: Uh, no it's uh, uh, yeah lost in translation i think um yeah japan only the dreamcast version because the dreamcast was dead in the west by this point uh hence the game ended up coming to ps2 gamecube and xbox and you could also play on ps3 it was released as a ps2 classic on there so you can still download that i believe but i don't think it's on ps4 just an aside here: there was a uh, limited beta, never officially released for the arcade. It was also planned for PS2. Capcom Fighting All Stars Code Holder in 2003, notable uh, but-
2: for Ingrid. Uh, again, if, if ah, you're around yes. fighting yeah. games, you yeah. tend to hear about this character that was in a game that was never released, and then right. obviously, eventually, did end up coming out, uh, coming to another yeah. game. But uh, yeah, po- very popular character.
0: Good shout. So the next one is another, uh, it's not a Capcom game, so I guess we're not sort of officially covering it in this show, mm-hmm. but it's definitely relevant because it's the next SNK versus Capcom game, SVC Chaos, and it was oh. by Playmore. So this was after SNK had been bought out and saved just about. Uh, so this is for the AES, also came to PS2 and Xbox. Uh, I have never
1: played this game. I heard it was not very good i've got the ps2 version yeah it's a very interesting game to play for for fans of uh, both snk and capcom but you could tell like they were really not firing in all cylinders with that uh, with with uh, with the game the mechanics are and the, the systems and the subsystems are just not very interesting and feel mm. a bit undercooked and there's hit detection issues and uh, and stuff uh but if there is one thing one nice thing i can say about this game is that it definitely has a more uniform art style than CVS2 right. did. So in CVS2, you had a, a lot of uh, imported sprites still, mm. even though like a fair amount of characters were actually redrawn for CVS2. There were still a lot of uh, sprite rips or sprite grabs. So this is where the, the point there.
0: where Morrigan was becoming a bit of a joke
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly and even uh sagat and blanca from alpha don't they look a bit too pixelated and they they don't really look like they belong in the game
2: they look like they're fading out of a picture from a high school dance in in the 50s and (laughs) (laughs) 40s
1: yeah so but uh snk versus capcom uh svz chaos has a very interesting uniform art style Mm. Uh, the backgrounds are a little bit empty uh, though nice looking but it's i find it really interesting to see the uh this iconic street fighter characters like guile and uh, balrog aka m Bison uh really rendered in a sort of this semi realistic semi photorealistic king of fighters style with with dark contrasts and uh and a lot of shading mm. anything on this james
2: uh j- just the, the, the seeing yeah street fighter characters that i'm so used to seeing in one of a handful of styles really um seeing them drawn in a in an snk style is uh not fully snk style but certainly more of that kind of style uh you know the long legs etc it, it yeah. Is, is yeah a bit weird and and guile's a character that is probably worth noting uh incredibly popular character in street fighter but hasn't necessarily made it into a great number of these but did make it into some of the snk crossovers which is nice yeah
0: so. sure uh, Joshua Hatsumitsu from the forum uh, posted at length an excellent post and exactly the sort of uh, fascinating collector forumite I was hoping we get when we set up Kane and Rince all these years ago he's got the coin up he's got the ps uh, PCB so check out slash forum to read more about that but his in summary the game is merely a disappointment there just seem to be so many internal and external factors at the time working against it uh, i suspect he's spot on with that October 2004, this is an interesting one. Again, not a game I'm familiar with personally Mm. uh, beyond knowing about it. Uh, Capcom Fighting Evolution, also known as Capcom Fighting Jam. This was built for uh, Namco System 246 Arcade. And I believe this is the first involvement of Yoshinori Ono with uh, Street Fighter type yeah. ip yeah yeah
1: yeah he was he was brought in to salvage the project
0: yeah uh and this game is not massively well regarded but uh did well enough it came out on the ps2 and xbox and also again you can download this on ps3 as a ps2
2: classic unfortunate this is kind of where yoshinori ono, uh, made his steps towards being a, a i guess producer he is now rather than a game designer or director but uh, a shame that he had to kind of try and uh, salvage this and it wasn't necessarily a success story for him
0: yes i mean on the interesting side it had characters from street fighters 2 and alpha and dark stalkers and street fighter 3 and uh, red earth also known as warzard um but yeah beyond that red
1: earth uh, earth which sadly never got a home port
0: no it didn't uh nor um oh i was going to say cyberbots didn't but it did didn't it, it sat in sat yeah. in japanese version yeah Anyway, more series, <laughs> more fighting <laughs> games that we've never had time to talk about. Uh, next up, another sort of uh, sidestep, really. This is Capcom doing uh, Versus, but not with another fighting game manufacturer or a uh, an American comics and now movie company, but a Japanese animation studio. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. t- Tatsunoka versus Capcom uh, yeah. arrived first in December 2008 Cross Generation of Heroes This was an arcade board based on the Wii and it came also to the Wii uh, with four extra characters so 22 instead of 18 um, perhaps the most interesting thing about this is this is Aiting's, uh debut making fighting games for Capcom. Went on to uh, do Marvel 3. And uh, this was, yeah, a company, a Japanese company, more well-known. Well, for various things, but um, mainly 2 d shoot 'em ups I suppose you'd say. But this is actually an all-polygon fighting game. So no more 2D sprites here. It was released Worldwide, somehow it got a worldwide release two years later as Ultimate All Stars on the Wii. I guess just because the Wii was doing really, really well and it was in a lot of homes, this really obscure niche fighting game came out. Now with 26 characters, um, I bought it and also I was gifted the joystick. There's, there's a an official tie-in. Joystick. I was gifted that by by uh, uh, a friend, Tom Fum, and uh, I really like this game a lot. Like I yeah. have, I have no more uh, affection for, apart from the Gatchaman characters, which we had over here as a kid uh, when I was a kid in the seventies. Metal of the Planets. Exactly <laughs> the horribly brutalized localization of, of Gatchaman, but the characters here are familiar. Um, there's lots of characters in here that I would never seen before in my life because they were only Japanese characters, mm-hmm. such as uh, Polymar, Tekaman, Yataman, Ips- I- Ip- Ipatsuman. Yeah. On the on the on the Capcom side, you've got Batsu from Rival Schools, which I used to love. You've got yeah. Frank West out of Dead Rising. You've got uh, you got Roll out of uh, uh, Mega Man, and you've got Beautiful Joe among others. And, uh, yeah. and but this game, they've again the the controls have been simplified even further. Now you've just got three attacks. Everything about this game is super accessible. I think final boss is a bit of a pain in the ass. It's Yami from from uh, yeah. from uh, Akami. Um, but apart from the fact that this has standard definition graphics, which I know, Michiel, you're absolutely right, would look better on a cathode ray tube television. Yeah, it's a blast. I really like this. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, a yeah. stalwart of my collection.
1: This is interesting because Tatsunoko versus Capcom iterates on the, or builds on the Marvel versus Capcom core mechanics. Uh, so you've, you've got the super jumps and the air dashes and the aerial raves. And that's why I was in our earlier discussions a bit against lumping the uh, uh, Capcom versus SNK uh, games in there because mechanically they have, don't have much in common actually with this lineage. And we've seen this simplification of the button control scheme already in mvc2 marvel vs capcom 2 where there were only four attack buttons now you've got uh, in tatsunoko vs capcom you've got three attack buttons and a special button which also functions as a assist call in button uh, when you hold it in a direction yes yep. so james you like this one too
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was taken with it from the off. I was aware of Battle of the Planets uh, or at least the the, the characters from the, I would recognize them or their visuals, uh but yes. uh, my different names of course, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, very distinctive. Uh my infinitely better half is a big Battle of the Planets fan. Uh she being slightly older than I was uh, was young when it was still on TV. Yes. Of course. We, we played quite a bit of uh, we in in our formative stages of our relationship. So seeing that this game was on there, I nabbed the game and I too have the, uh, the arcade stick, which is quite lovely. I have to say it's a weird uh, connect. It connects to the, the, uh, we mote So you've yeah, got this weird kind annoying. of, it's wireless, but I, yeah, you do worry tethered. a little bit about input lag and stuff, <laughs> but in a game yeah. like this, it's simplified enough in a way that, yeah. so I talked about being stuck between the button mashing and actually knowing what you're doing and being able to execute it with MVC two, but in this case it feels pared down in the way that I mean they add in uh, baroque combos uh, and, oh yeah, and course, like yeah. mega crash style reversals essentially Um mm, yeah. to, to kind of add mechanical depth without it requiring extra dexterity and input precision, etc. Yeah, you know, they, so. they add extra stuff in to really make it fun. And there's stuff there if you want to learn that yeah. stuff, but it, you can just have fun. And I Chain have, combos
0: are so easy in this game. Yeah, like just yes. string
2: combos together, just seeing characters and, and the two giant characters who you can play as a, a single character. Such good fun.
1: Uh, good that you brought up the uh, Baroque system mm. because I think it's a really... Uh, interesting and cool subsystem uh, because you, what you do is you sacrifice your red health to do extra damage and to link more attacks together. It,
2: it, it's a classic risk rewards kind exactly, of situation. Yeah. And it's, it's, not,
1: yeah. it's not that easy to pull off because you need to Actually, land an attack and have uh, red health, and land it together with the special button. I think, and then continue on from there on out. And as soon as your red health runs out, that's the end of your Baroque yeah, combo yeah. as well. You need to be very aware uh, of your your situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's a much more interesting mechanic uh, than uh, the the subsystem that you would see in the uh, MVC three games. Uh, the uh, the X Factor. Yes, you guys Uh, follow the
0: tournaments uh, scene, the fighting game scene, much more closely than I do. Did this make any kind of impact in the in the scene? Because I I I feel like the the low execution may be off putting to high level players, but there is some depth. Not
1: hugely, I think. It just didn't have the the impact that a Marvel vs. Capcom game would have. It was at least for two years at Evo, and after okay. has have, has been uh, part of side tournaments ever since. Right. If you compare it to Marvel vs. Capcom 3, if that got a lot of criticism as well for being sort of simplified and dumbed down and yeah. more more accessible. Yeah. But it's uh, it's very comparable to to that game, and especially now in retrospect.
0: And I guess there is the visual aspect is obviously running in a much lower resolution yeah. than most of the yeah. other games in the scene I, I at the think, moment.
2: Yeah, I think there was a lot of stuff going against you can't it. You can play the, it on PC fact, under emulation. Yes, course. yeah, yeah. Crank yeah. it up. Um, the fact it was on Wii is yes, kind of weird. Uh, not that a fighting one game can't be, option. But, um, but also the fact that it came out uh, right around Street Fighter 4 when the, all the attention for fighting games went to that game at that time because... It was the the resurgence, um, which meant that this just kind of got lost a little bit. Plus, the characters in the West are yeah, just very a, niche, a bizarre very set. I mean, skin. they're they're great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but seeing seeing them trial a lot of uh, MVC three characters here. I mean, Frank uh, West made it in. Yep. Phoenix Wright was considered. They they wanted to have him behind his desk, and the desk <laughs> would move with him. And they just that's what this game seems like to me. It's ideas. It's it's fueling. What they yeah. would then go on to with MVC3, I I think, is, is what's, what's yeah, happening. Yeah,
1: exactly. If you could also compare Frank West in Tatsunoko vs. Capcom uh, with Frank West in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, he's uh, way more fleshed out in uh, MVC3 as opposed to Tatsunoko vs. Capcom. Uh, he had, had the whole level up mechanic with taking pictures uh, in that game, which he doesn't doesn't have in Tatsunoko vs. Capcom. But I still found him a very hilarious character to play as, just his clumsiness and his Japanese-Americanisms of, hey, watch out, pal, and uh, those kind of expressions. Joshi Hatsumitsu says, I picked up a copy
0: of Tatsunoko vs Capcom for around 20 US dollars Australian dollars, I should say, which is around £12 quite a while ago. No regrets. Being a licensed game, like most of the versus series, we as consumers are really at the mercy of the corporate IP gods, so it's good to invest before licenses expire, as so often they do. Apart from the price, this game had been getting some positive reviews while I was familiar with the Capcom side of the roster, including a locked character by the name of Frank West. Mm -hmm. The Tatsunoko side was completely unfamiliar to me. But the artwork on the game The game cover with all these costume characters striking heroic comic book poses drew me in right away and the bright colourful hyperactive opening of the game sold me as well. This game can be played with the Wii remote on its side with just the two buttons for attack and that should give you a pretty good idea of how the game plays. It's super streamlined and accessible and you can get by for the most part with good old fashioned button mashing, at least on the default difficulty settings. Accessibility isn't necessarily a dirty word and really. If you want more complex, strategic fighting games, there's plenty out there. There's a really nice Mad Cat's fight stick out there in the wilds, although I find the classic controller more than suffices. Being a Wii title, the graphics are not high definition and are noticeably muddy on a big UHD screen. Hardly a deal breaker, but an HD re-release on the Switch would be wonderful, licensing and localization issues aside. The final boss, Yami from Akami, is suitably epic and cheap. Having grown up with Mm -hmm. many, many cheap final boss battles, it's nothing out of the ordinary. The real draw to the game is the art style and the animations, and it makes made a good, accessible gateway to the Tatsunoko universe, one that I've explored more because of playing the game. If it's possible to pick up a copy, I think it's worth having in your collection, even if you just play through once in a while. It's very well put together, so alive and colourful and clearly put together with love, care and attention to detail. Very hard not to recommend. The arcade version of Tatsunoku versus Capcom PCB is available to buy via eBay for an average price of around 500 Australian dollars. which is about 300 pounds. So if you are an eccentric millionaire or just plain careless with money, why not pick it up? If I had that kind of money, I would. Uh, yes, I see that around the Wii version around, I should say, quite a lot in Brighton, UK. So I, d- I guess it's not a hard game to get hold of if you still have a Wii or indeed a Wii U around uh, to play it on. I would recommend that.
1: Essential game for the system, as far as I'm
0: concerned. I agree. I'd have Uh, have
2: loved to see this in a in a Japanese arcade.
0: Uh, Just see people playing it would, I think, Mm. be a delight. So, another brief aside. Announced in July 2010 was a game called Tekken Cross Street Fighter. It was going to be by Bandai. I mean, it is going to be by Bandai Namco Studios. Uh, four characters have been announced so far. Uh, we're expecting news any time <laughs> <laughs> on that one, except that except that, Akuma or Gookie turned up in Tekken 7. Uh, you know, quite nicely implemented. Uh, and that's about as close as we got to the, that game. We'll be coming back to the Capcom I mean, side. To the point where people
2: terror. actually thought maybe that was the extent of Tekken Cross Street
0: Fighter
2: yeah the whole <laughs> Akuma was put into Tekken 7 seven that's it
0: and a half years since yeah. that was announced
1: although every time people ask about it Namco states that still the game happening. is still in yeah, development still but I exactly. don't think anybody has asked them anymore in the last two or three years yeah
0: <laughs> so indeed Marvel vs Capcom 3 Fate of Two Worlds February 2011 uh, this was not an arcade game. This was for 360 and PS3. Uh, yeah. It was available for a while until it was delisted in 2014. It's a video
1: first. game equivalent of a direct to DVD movie. Kind of is, yeah. <laughs> uh, I bought it day one. Uh 30, Me too.
0: Thirty six characters plus uh, Schumacherath and Jill's uh, DLC. I enjoyed it a lot, but I didn't play it tons. I still have mixed feelings about the art style. I think I think it's. I, I like the fact that it tries to be distinctive but uh, it doesn't appeal to me as quite as much as I wanted it to. Um, But Mm. there's tons going on here, loads of backgrounds, loads of references. This is by Aiting again, we should say. But obviously it was completely surpassed and supplanted by the follow-up, which came a few months later.
1: As soon as Mike Hager and Arthur of Gulls and uh, Goblins were announced for this game, I was going to buy this day one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And this is in a time where I almost never bought any game on release. So... Okay. Yeah, I was, I was there from the beginning, which of course later burned me when the Ultimate Edition came <laughs> out six should months we, later. Should we
0: go straight on that and talk about the merits of the game? Uh, Ultimate uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 came out in November. So yeah, just literally nine months later. There was a Vita version as well this time. And then after it disappeared for a while, it uh, resurfaced recently on PS4 last year and PC and Xbox One this year in the build up to the new game. And, uh, yeah, I, I do like it. It's incredibly um, sort of responsive and fast. I'm not an expert player, so I couldn't tell you about balance. I've not tried to play it against, you know, in a tournament. I've not tried to watch it played at a tournament. But as a fan of fighting games, as a fan of Marvel and Capcom in their modern incarnations, there's a lot to enjoy here. There's certainly a ridiculous amount of kind of content in terms of combinations of fighters and you got various modes and, and whatever else. I installed it on my PS4 as soon as that version came out and happily have it as part of my rotation, but I don't have the same sort of levels of affection for it as I do for some of the earlier games in the, in the canon Mikheel
1: I actually really love uh, the way this game uh, looks uh, the, the comic book stylings uh, stylings of it. you do okay I know so. it's quite divisive isn't it and the the, the hit effects are unlike anything else uh, when attacks connect
0: I agree but I think the sound's a bit wishy-washy in that department Maybe the attacks to. are not as
1: crunchy, but no. I don't know. It's uh, It kind of fits the comic book aesthetic in a sense. <laughs> uh, really? That it's more of a visual experience than a, than an audio experience. Yeah. yeah, I love everything almost about this game, but the, the only thing is that I love watching it being played in tournaments more than playing it myself. <laughs> really? What is that? What, because once you watch this game being played in tournaments... You've, you realize how inadequate you are at yeah, the game. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay.
0: and it, it That's comes, every game ever though, <laughs> isn't it?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, it's different. It it's comes back to what I was saying with, uh, about X-Men vs. Street Fighter and, uh, and Marvel vs. Capcom 2. There's just this thing about you, you have to be able to keep long combos going in this game to be really any good. long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah exactly yeah. like uh you know up to 99 and, uh, and 100 hits yes that's just kind of beyond me it's there's this thing about the, the timing scooping up a character and then being able to air combo them without dropping your air combo and letting them fall down again and follow that up and hit them with off, on the ground attacks yeah it's it's just kind of kind of beyond me i'm way more of a traditional street fighter player and more grounded and footsies right. But I adore watching this this game being played in tournaments and just seeing the crazy stuff that players have come up with. I think in more the most recent EVOs and most recent tournaments, it, it has become kind of stale. Now you see all the same optimal strategies and optimal characters. But after its, uh, after its uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 came out and even the original, uh, the, the vanilla version. It was just a thrill to watch, be able also in this modern internet era where everything is getting streamed and we see all the videos and not everything is just recorded on uh, on, on handycams anymore, mm. uh, off screen. Uh, it's It has just been a thrill to see this the competitive scene around Marvel 3 develop and evolve and see this, the tactics and the metagame evolve and the, the strategies and the technology that players came up with. A lot of people hate, the, hate uh, Chris G's playstyle, for example. He, in effect, he kind of broke the game by using a combination of uh, Morrigan, Doom and then either Virgil or, uh, or Akuma uh, as, a, as a third character, in the sense that he turned the game into... It's already... I think Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is already much more of a zoning game than the vanilla version was in that it favours projectile use very greatly is this very lauded player chris g who used morgan and doom morgan to use a lot of soul fists because it has a very quick recovery so you can throw a lot of them and then he builds up enough meter to use astral vision where she doubles herself and then starts throwing projectiles from both he sides of the, the screens screen. crossing you crossing you up and then using his doom hidden missiles assist all the time to keep his opponents locked down at the same time so he just he turned the game into a, a bullet hell shooter basically and it wasn't always,
2: uh, well, it wasn't necessarily ever a fun strategy to watch. It was kind of like, oh, Chris G's doing his Chris G thing. Let's just yeah. let that get to the end. And <laughs> s-
1: but I kind of loved it because sure. a lot of people also tried to replicate it, but couldn't quite pull it off the way and, he did and it. There's just this sense of timing yeah. and, and being able to zone in space people that makes it actually very... Difficult of a tactic to to use. Yeah,
0: yeah. I remember uh, hearing something about, again, this is probably ancient news and somebody worked it out or they took it out of the game, but wasn't it, uh, maybe it was early on that uh, Phoenix's X Factor was...
2: Phoenix as an anchor character uh, was, yeah. there was a long period there where that was just yeah. de facto standard
1: this was not a, a glitch or an exploit this was by design yeah. it was just completely overpowered <laughs> if you would have a full bar of 5 on your super meter phoenix would die on your team as the last character on the team and you would have your f- your bars filled up she would resurface as dark phoenix so That's not right. only yeah. would you have basically an extra character but she could just with her projectiles and the x factor mechanic chip your opponents completely to death you you could waste a whole team of 3 they tone it down in the ultimate version a little bit, and she hasn't been used much ever since. But it's, she was still, she could still be a problem in her right hands.
2: And I think that's kind of the story of the game. I completely agree, Mikhail, that it it did end up feeling more stale than it possibly deserved because it went through these long periods where the meta game just stayed flat, and then something would happen yeah. to change it. I mean, to say that at, at Evil it was a it's seven evo's and seven different winners, right? Because last evo was was the final time it was going to be there after the the yeah. kind of relaunch of the game on on PS4 and then PC and Xbox One. To, to say that seven times evo, seven different winners, uh, and to say that you know different tactics were incredibly dominant, but then fell away. It sounds like it was a game that had uh, variability there, but it did kind of feel like your Dantes, your Virgils, your Doom as an assist, Zeroes. for crying out loud Doom as an assist Every You would, you would watch <laughs> tournaments and everyone would be using Doom as their assist um, and, yeah. and it just felt like there were these things that didn't change about the game or yeah. could feel cheap about the game From my perspective actually playing the game it's this weird situation where on the one hand having a magic series as a kind of universal target combo is the best kind of way i can describe it seems like that should make it fun to try different characters and then try and learn their actual unique combos and stuff and and put it together but it it still just does kind of feel impenetrable in a way because of the speed because of the 50 to 100 hit combos that it just feels like you couldn't do anything about and i know that's my not understanding certain aspects of the game but it can just be an incredibly frustrating game to play in a way that i never find watching it it is even when it feels stale it doesn't feel frustrating so much as just feels baffling sometimes (laughs) there's so (laughs) much going on and so much madness and craziness which is there in in through, you know that's kind of the typi- typifying uh trait of these games to yeah. me is
1: is that franticness um, i feel i have a lot better grasp on guilty gear uh, which is a much more complex game sure. than uh marvel yeah, but yeah. it has a basis that i feel more comfortable with yeah
2: i think the the different levels of play and the progression of play from beginner to like world champion if you like seems much more appreciable in guilty gear whereas in in Marvel it does seem to, in Marvel 3 I should say there seem to this big gap between how do I get there to even understand what I'm looking at sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> in, in this weird way that I, I is is rare in a fighting game to see I think usually you can kind of use a basic understanding to break down what's happening and and get most of the way to understanding what you're seeing with the game but uh, marvel 3 marvel 2 just have have this effect on me where i almost just it's like i unfocus my eyes and stare past it and just enjoy the franticness of it all
1: there's the uh, as we discussed before or mentioned before the x factor subsystem or uh or mechanic that is basically a trump card because you can only activate it once per match the less characters you have left the more powerful it becomes so you basically do ridiculous amounts of damage in, uh, in X-Factor uh, mode. Probably also be able to string a lot more attacks together than you normally would. So that, that already is a bit unhinged. And It was also interesting for me to see that Marvel vs. Capcom 3 ran sort of parallel with Street Fighter 4 and how it developed as a game. And their completely opposite approach to balancing. From uh, the the patches and going from Marvel vs. Capcom 3 to Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom uh, 3, the response usually to complaints about overpowered characters was to buff up everybody else. Or the the, the main balancing philosophy behind Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is make everybody ridiculous and overpowered and broken. Uh, whereas uh, the response to complaints about balancing in the Street Fighter 4 games was usually to nerf a lot of stuff.
2: Which does make sense given the difference in the games. You kind of want Street Fighter to be balanced in a way that is more reserved than you would a, a Marvel game, but yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I popped online just to see <laughs> the other day. People are still playing. Uh, not maybe, maybe it wasn't that quick to get a game on on PS four, but I could get one. My feeling is that you're far less likely to ever get a uh, a fortunate win or an unexpected win. It's uh, it's it, it's yeah, like I, d- I don't know, I I didn't clock this guy's level or whatever, how many points he had, but. Yeah, he just totally schooled me. I couldn't really move.
1: So um, People can uh, definitely take you for a ride in this game. <laughs> thank you
0: for that. Uh, Marco from the forum says, I really learned to appreciate the skill a player could develop and high level play on MVC 3 is pretty spectacular to watch. But some days you just want Hulk to smash Wesker's stupid face. Mm-hmm. The level of complexity seems to me to relate to the amount of effort you feel like putting in. And I love that about these games. So, yeah uh there's there's a lot going on I, I didn't even mention
2: Wesker but yeah Wesker
0: yeah, yeah but it doesn't have <laughs> perhaps the same sort of uh level of maybe i don't know what's the what's the word precision or I'm not sure it's just it, it's a different it's a different discipline it's it's, it's a different it's a
2: different pace of game and a different style of play than most people would think when you said. 2D fighter, absolutely, yeah. Uh,
0: so somewhere in the middle, uh, actually, things were starting to slow down. Really, at this point, so that was November 2011, Ultimate Marvel 3, and uh, and then in March 2012, we did get Street Fighter Cross Tekken. So this was by dimps with Capcom. Uh, so this was based around the Street Fighter 4 engine for 360 and PS3. It was also ported to PC and uh, iOS and Vita. It had 38 characters plus another 12 DLC, although I think you got those out of the gate on Vita. Vita there were another it, five PlayStation exclusive characters uh, on those versions. Uh, Sucker Punch did the Vita port, by the way. Fittingly,
2: Cole from Infamous being one of the PlayStation exclusive characters.
0: Yes, and um, we also had some Namco IP characters, some of their classics. So this game, I recall being, uh, it had a few issues. At First, with some online glitch audio glitches and things like that, I bought the 360 version, and I had a good amount of fun with it as a non-expert player. But I was immediately told that uh, by certain sectors of the fighting game community that I was very wrong to be enjoying it because <laughs> because it was horribly unbalanced and it had all these terrible DLC gems that I wasn't having anything to do with. So yeah, I, I just thought it was you know it was fun seeing Tekken characters, fight, Street Fighter characters, and I loved Street Fighter Four, so it made sense to me, but, uh, but I didn't, I didn't go on to play it, you know, anything like some of the other games in the series. How did you guys feel about this one?
2: This game had such a short lifespan. It felt like, because effectively it was microtransaction accusations leveled at the gem system. Um, yeah. and the notion that, uh, Not all, I don't think, but some of the DLC characters were on the disc and this was right in the midst of on-disc DLC being a big issue, uh, which however much you can rationalize that it's a matter of resources and value being determined in the making of the game and it doesn't really matter whether they made it whilst they were making the rest or not. It, It was an incredibly emotional issue and it's not one that we're going to be able to thrash out and talk about now. And it's a moot point
0: because... Still sticks in people's craw. It,
2: it absolutely does. And it, and you can see why people would be upset that they're paying for something, but they have to then re- essentially repay, is the way they see it, to unlock it on the disc. And and it just kind of... Uh, and the, the imbalance at the beginning kind of was a perfect storm to just mean this game went nowhere, it felt like. And yet, in years since, and in the lead-up to Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite... I heard more and more people talking fondly about Street Fighter X Oh, Tech really? Interesting. It, okay. It, in and around the kind of uh, fighting game community, uh, in terms of not necessarily the game as it was, but the game as maybe it could have been and, and the intent behind some of the stuff that was being done there. Absolutely. I, I started hearing a lot more positivity than when it initially came out
1: when it initially came out i think people called it street fighter cross timeout because <laughs> you see a lot of matches where the timer would just run out <laughs> and people uh, pacing pacing back and forth i think mil- milk toast combos uh, like uh, universal chain combos also made it a bit uninteresting it had some dead right. mechanics like uh, pandora in which you sacrifice one of your two characters because it goes by a tech and tech tournament style uh system You sacrifice one of your two characters to become more powerful, but that was almost never really worth the trade. So people did end up not using it at all. A lot of the complaints were actually addressed in the 2013 version, the 2013 free patch that came with it, including a lot of the visual stuff and a lot of the... Uh, stuff that hurt uh, people about it uh, for example like the big zoom ins when once you do uh when she did a tag in or tag out punch uh, and mm. a lot of the uh, the stuff uh, the things that took the pacing out of the game, but I think it was it was at that point too late because people had moved exactly. on already.
2: And and they still had MVC three was was still popular at that point. So if you were looking for yeah. a versus fighter, a team based fighter, then you would play that. Yeah,
1: Street Fighter four kept on getting iterations. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. have my own misgivings about this game as well, but what I personally really found interesting about it, I was already intrigued from the announcements, how would Street Fighter ever match with Tekken? Mm. Uh, But what I personally find very interesting about this game is how they made the Tekken characters in the game fit within the Street Fighter mold, in the 2D fighting game mm. mold, and still make them feel different and unique. So when you pick a Tekken character in this game, it's not going to play like any 2D Capcom fighting game character that ever came before it. Right, they have yeah. a, lot of, like, a lot more special moves that link into each other to form sort of the longer 10-hit Tekken combos, for example. The characters feel quite unique for in a 2D fighting game, and I think that's... Really interesting and fun to toy around with and to to play with.
0: I'm not holding my breath for Samurai Showdown versus Soul Calibur to ever happen. (laughs) Sadly, (laughs) Before we conclude, this game is way too new for us to properly cover by our own policies and really by any measure, I would suggest, uh, because it's in uh, a bit of an interesting state. But I think it's worth just a few words. I think only one of us has played it as well. September 2017, less than two months ago at the time of recording, Marvel versus Capcom Infinite came out for PC PS4 and Xbox 1 again no arcade version is that right at this point
2: oh uh, yeah no this was straight to home yep. consoles
0: yeah yep. same again uh 30 characters f- out of the gate but obviously the way this model is now there will be more but uh, they're announcing them you know bit at one at a time and then you pay for them and you paid for your season yeah, pass we, that we kind know of thing
2: we the first 6 I think yeah. by leak because it's Capcom. So inevitably it's leaked um, and, and three, three are already out. Yeah.
0: So no, the, this game came out to fairly tepid reviews, not, not criminally poor, but not great either. Certainly probably the lowest like review average score percentages of any game of the games that we've talked about, apart from yeah. maybe like the fighting jam or, or, or you know, CV, yeah, SVC sure. chaos, yeah. stuff like that. It's, immediately been discounted heavily uh, in stores particularly there were qualms about the character art before it was released some of that's been addressed some of it's more being addressed I don't know what the feeling is the fighting game community I don't know what your feeling is as somebody who paid for it Mm. so yeah just in brief because it is new and we don't do new
2: (laughs) Much like Street Fighter 5 and much like Street Fighter Cross Tekken as it it actually transpires Capcom seemed to be struggling to implement what most people seem to agree are quite good ideas in a way that makes it palatable to most people after the fact agree are good ideas in ways that that are palatable to its audience Uh, and that's kind of a very general way of of just saying that yeah there was a lot of excitement this time last year rumors started uh, across the fighting game community of there's going to be a Marvel announced, and in December, sure enough, there was uh, at the PlayStation Experience, and a lot of excitement. And then you hear X-Men characters maybe not going to be in the game at all.
0: Licensing issues are back. The fact that it's called Infinite rather than Four um, is four, possibly yeah. significant.
2: Uh, yeah, it ties into the the cinematic universe primarily, or Marvel Cinematic Universe, I should say. Um, and then yeah, it's going to be two on two that. Again, as a headline, is going to upset a lot of people because they think of MVC two and MVC three as Marvel. You know, that's what Marvel should be.
0: Yeah, that's been nearly twenty years now since two.
2: It kind of feels like those two games have now typified. You know, it's it has been a generation since since we had a two on two fighter with a Marvel versus Capcom name. So of humans, not of consoles. So yeah, it it just felt like, and the art style, uh, and and the fact that they would put out that art style. At E3, in a on a Sony stage, they would put characters like Morgan, Chun Li, and inevitably it was more the Capcom characters than the Marvel ones, which again led people to think, "Oh well, yeah, they'll put the effort in for the Marvel characters, but the the Capcom ones they don't see as important." which I don't think is true. Capcom obviously value their characters, or at least to me, it seems patent that they would. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed like one thing after another. And, and then there was this whole thing uh, to do with people in the fighting community who are, uh, you know, top tier Marvel versus Capcom 3 players who were going and playing it and saying, no, no, trust us, it's good. We're then being, oh no, they're, you know, it was being, being discredited as they were shilling for Capcom, essentially. It's just been a mess. Frankly, I don't think there's t- yeah. any, any way to say it's not the fact that you and McKeel and Carl are, are not sure about buying this game, and I haven't and, bought and it. Have proved, That was exactly the point and, I was going and to and make. Been like, proved, all... Right, because the prices come down. <laughs> and by the way, yeah. Why not wait until the DLC characters or more of them are out? Although I think probably they'll do what they did with Street Fighter Five, which is they'll never bundle anything together to split no. your your player base. And and yet I played it and I'm I'm enjoying it you know two versus two with a gem I think there is still a lot of depth there you are still creating a team you are still working out how you want to play Um, but there is playing through the story it feels like a kind of my first attempt at what Netherrealm are doing with their fighting game stories
0: in mm, not yeah. a
2: good way uh, it feels janky it yeah like the feel... Street
0: Fighter 5 one Ooh. yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It,
2: it just feels like Capcom aren't doing themselves any favours but equally well they're kind of between a rock and a hard place because nothing they say or do seems to be taken on face value or or believed or trusted and, and it's a shame because I think there is a really good fighting game in there
0: so this is by a, a Capcom internal team it's not by Dimps. it's not
2: by DIMS, Oh, yeah absolutely
0: but we don't know too much about the credits of, of those involved director is Norio Hirose who I, I don't know does it feel like Ultimate 3 to play like in terms of character movement or is it very much its own It it, it
2: does because and again we've just talked about it a lot of these games carry on with artwork and move sets and animations from previous games that's Something we've just spent, you know, two hours talking about happening from one game to the next through this series. Um, and and that happens again. So, you know, if you played Iron Man in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, you're going to know how to play Iron Man in, in this. Nova is a character I played a lot of in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 because he's quite straightforward to pick up. I went straight to Nova in this and knew what to do with Nova, more or less at least. To me, it feels like a Marvel game. To me, it still has that gap of, okay, yeah. I kind of know what I'm doing, but I d- still feel like there's a, a almost insurmountable gap, but I'm working at it, chipping away at it. The DLC characters that have come out, their design, I think, has been fantastic. Black Panther and Monster Hunter, I think, look like they're in a different game from Chun-Li and from, <laughs> really? from okay. Spider-Man yeah. with giant delts that just make him look like he's got no neck. And from Captain America, the same. Mm. And Chris Redfield, that I swear, are all the same character model and they just put a different mask on their face. It's fits, really
0: hard you to... Know? With hitboxes, it's going to be hard for them to fix that stuff as well. It it, Um, it could
2: be, but yeah, it it feels like in some ways that stuff I was talking about where Thanos feels chunky and Spider-Man feels wiry, Mm. it's still kind of there, but characters that shouldn't look alike look more alike than they ought. The joke about, you know, Chris Redfield in Resident Evil 5 particularly just looked like this muscle-bound Oh yeah, just ridiculous yeah. human being. Tree in trunk in arms the way yeah. that you know, Street Fighter Five, there's certainly an exaggeration and a, and a uh, almost grotesquerie in terms of the physiology of the characters. Not not in a bad way, just in you
0: know, it's clearly it tends to be more in the supporting promotional art and concept art yeah. where the muscles are really insane.
2: Yeah, yeah, and there's that kind of aspect to this where it's like they they almost look like they were going for some kind of art style, but it's across characters that shouldn't look alike. In some ways, you know, it's bizarre. And, <laughs> And I'm sure there were there were budget restrictions and time restrictions, and I'm sure the team are doing the best they can. And so I was happy to buy this, to answer your question, I was happy to buy this game at full price on day one. I wanted to support it because I believed that there's a good game here, but it does feel like Capcom are having to spend a lot of their time with Street Fighter V and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite undoing decisions they've taken early on in the game and trying to fix a game that wasn't ready
0: to be released. I'm quite pleased that nothing's changed uh, 20 years on plus from me playing those Marvel games and Children of the Atom there's still <laughs> characters in these games that I don't know who they are even despite having seen most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films I don't know who Dormammu is still to this day. So oh, Dormammu's that's a, great uh, <laughs> that's Dormammu's great he's a great guy. guy. I'm okay with that
1: Maybe the main reason why my enthusiasm for this game fizzled yeah. out Uh, ties into the actual nature of crossover fighting games or crossover games in general is that i feel that they should feel like a celebration right of the ips and of the characters and of the the worlds and the universes from everything that i've seen and i believe james immediately when he says and so many other people have said the same that there's a great fighting game inside there yeah but from what i've seen it almost feels constrained more by the licenses than liberated by them. It feels like a compromised product in so many ways. And you want a crossover fighter to be exuberant and celebratory and an assault on the senses and just overall joyous. And I'm not getting that from Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. I'll probably get the game at some point. I hope that they'll update it enough and maybe re-release it or release it in a package where it becomes attractive for me personally to make the purchase. It's a far cry from my day one buy of uh, Marvel yeah. vs. Capcom 3.
0: Yeah, same here. Okay, three word reviews, just the three of them. No More Spiros says, Bring back Cable. The King Rocker says, Norimaro's Miracle Treasure.
1: Kazimot says, More than mashing.
0: For some, so right. <laughs> uh, for some of us. so right. For some of us. We try. We all try. So very brief summary. I guess uh, we all know, uh, every listener knows that we like these games by and large. And there's, uh, as with all these series that we cover, there's uh, peaks and troughs. So I suppose if you could try to sum up in brief what you enjoy about the ones that you do enjoy. And if there's one installment that you would recommend that people seek out, assuming they have a decent collection of machines. Uh, James?
2: Yeah, I was really happy to be covering this series. Not so much because, like with Street Fighter, I have a, a long, you know, 25-year attachment to uh, the series, whereas Marvel games, as I tend to think of them, but the Capcom vs. series and seeing where Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and Marvel vs. Capcom 3 came from, if you like, is an endless fascination to me. It's been great to, to go back to these and look at a series of games that I wish I was better at came from and try and understand how much of the dna was there back you know in 23 years ago when uh, when the first one came out and uh, children of the atom came out i think as mikhail says as a celebration of different uh, not just franchises but different worlds it literally is uh, about worlds coming together and that clash of of disparate but equally beloved by me uh, groups of characters the fact that i've 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 Met characters, as Tadinho said, that that I'd just not come across before. Capcom characters, comic book characters that I hadn't encountered through these games. The hushed whispers when you're around and involved in and following any fighting game community around games like CVS2 and uh, MVC2 and and MVC3 even. It's clear why there's love for these games. You know, even as, as poor as I am at them, I have love for these games. And and it's just endlessly frustrating, but not in a bad way that I can't be better at them. And the fact that I've I've picked up uh, Marvelous Capcom Infinite and I'm trying to get better at it slowly, but surely the fact that even with my, my fingers as old as they are and as useless as they are, I'm trying to slowly improve just shows how much fun can be had with a game that can look spectacular, even when you can't really get your head around it. But knowing that once you do, it's going to be even more spectacular is, is just brilliant. That's fighting games in a nutshell. And this kind of takes them to a ridiculous extreme, uh, that I, I really love. Um, and and I love that they're still going. As for which one to pick up, I don't see why you wouldn't pick up Marvel vs. Capcom 2.
0: Because you can't buy it.
2: And that's the frustration that I had to emulate a lot of these uh, arcade versions, because it would either be horrendously expensive or impractical to try and pick up used copies and source them and uh, and take care of all the hardware uh, that that I'd need to. Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is available on ps4 xbox one pc as is uh as is infinite and that's kind of where you have to go to i suppose uh on that basis but it would be nice if they could le- loosen up some of the licensing deals i don't know anyone who hasn't who's tried marvel vs. capcom 3 and hasn't found some joy in seeing those characters bounce around so maybe that's the one to go to i guess
0: yeah, it's certainly the easiest to get hold of Ultimate 3 on one of the, the, the three current-gen platforms, not, uh, not including Switch. As I say, I like Ultimate 3, and there's a lot to like about it, I think, but I, I don't have the same level of affection because I think so much of my enthusiasm for these games early on was seeing the sort of playfulness of the, uh, of the artists with, with uh, ridiculous numbers of hundreds of frames of, of hand-drawn, hand-pixel art, animation not disregarding the the skills of the artists who make the the three D characters, uh, the the eighteen guys who have made all the these sort of crazy looking cell shaded uh, polygon characters for for the modern games. But personally, I have a real lure towards those old, uh, very vibrant, dramatic, screen filling, lurid sprites of of the early years. And I would love to just be able to recommend Marvel vs. Capcom Origins on three hundred and sixty or PS three, but you can't buy it. So uh, I'm not sure what the answer is to that. It's uh, certainly worth digging out MAME. If you've got a Wii or a Wii U, as I say, Tatsunaki versus Capcom, completely different series, really, but, uh, but wonderful crossover fighting games. But yeah, I, every time I put these games on, revisit them to play them for fun or for, in this case, research preparation, I always just immediately think, oh, I wish I played this every day because it's, <laughs> it's so much fun. They are considered quite a niche thing. There's a lot of people listening to this who just will not be interested, but they listen to our shows because we talk about these things. Um, And yeah, I I don't think there's any reason to try to persuade people who don't play these games that they should play them because they do demand a certain amount of attention and time to get anywhere competent at. But having said that, I suppose you could play C versus, uh, Capcom versus SNK2, easy operation mode, <laughs> and uh, and just and just spam away and see if you get anything out of it.
1: Interesting that you said that about the niche aspect of it, because I remember going into a British uh, gaming store one time and looking for a copy of Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3. And the store clerk told me, no, that's a very niche game. Yeah. We, we don't have that here. And I was looking at a whole pile of unsold Blaze Blue uh, discs <laughs> laying there. That's probably why they didn't get enough Ultimate Marvel. And... I was just saying to the guy, like, "Are you serious, niche? Everybody knows Marvel, right? Everybody loves Marvel." It's taken me a while to kind of even get my head around
0: this idea that because to me these games are what video games are all about. But to a lot of people, they are retro or they're too hardcore or whatever. So yeah, it's it's interesting, but um. I, yeah, I think they're a fantastic part of the, the whole experience of gaming.
1: Going over this whole list of games that we uh, sped through and we could probably have spent a lot more time talking about a lot of these of titles course, individually. Either. If it comes down to it, I probably enjoy the first batch, batch of the Marvel vs. Capcom uh, style games, the versus series games on the CPS2 hardware the most because I actually feel more competent at playing them because they're a little bit more grounded feel a little bit more like Street Fighter Alpha or Dark Darkstalkers yes. be it albeit uh, with crazier attacks and higher jumps and uh all that sort of stuff and it's fair cuz you and I are you know middle-aged and that's yeah, where we started we're, As... we're old in moldies yeah so what can there you, you go, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um and I also have an undying love love for uh capcom versus snk 2 just as a culmination of 2d fighting game design and uh and mechanics it's almost it's almost a study project that game is uh just to see all these mechanics of the best fighters of uh, capcom and snk combined in one title i sold the game off because i had nobody to play it with back mm-hmm. in the days I've regretted it deeply and bought it back uh, afterwards yeah. <laughs> again' It will be yeah so yeah it's it, and and uh the music also again, this weirdly inappropriate music the the true lovemaking and uh <laughs> and and the 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 disco rap of the the New York stage is just like they're forever wormed uh in inside my ears, deeply nested in there. The other games are fantastic too, I mean. There, there are a couple of black sheeps in the games uh, list of games we discussed, like uh, SNK versus uh, Capcom Chaos, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. But even those games, if you're if you're a fan of fighting games, they have something interesting at least in there. And if you can find them for cheap or buy them for cheap, I definitely would not pass up on them.
0: Uh, so it remains for me, Leon, to thank James and Miquel as well as our correspondents, and to all of you for listening, and our editor Ryan, who may have a tough job on his hands. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Remember, if you've enjoyed this and our other shows, please consider heading to our Patreon page and donating the minimum of a dollar a month or more if you wish. You can do that. It can be more than $1. Patreon.com slash Kane and and help us out, help us keep doing this thing that we do with the podcasts and the talking about games and you enjoying it, hopefully. Next time, in issue 295, we return to the track with the Project Gotham Racing 3 and Project Gotham Racing 4 podcast. Until then... New Age of Heroes.